And welcome one and all to another episode of The Angry Barista, the angriest tri-racial uh, barista on this side of the counter. And joining me today is a, a, a uniracial guy. I was about to say single racial. <laughs> a uniracial guy. My boy, Naveed, his millionth time on the podcast, but certainly not his last. And uh, he's here today because he's debuted as a solo artist. Yes, sir. I was about to say, I've been on the podcast before, but this is the, my first time on the podcast as your boy, Naveed Ahmed. Naveed Ahmed. You've come a long way, my friend. I hope you don't mind me casually glancing at my phone as we go over the course of things. Because no there's definitely things like I want to talk about. And there's, thing, there's things that I want, there are topics that I want us to hit that uh, I feel like will get people to know uh, the Naveed that I know in the way that I know Naveed without it being like a fake front of just like, yeah. And I hope so. I hope, I hope. My dream is for people to know me the way you know me, because you, sir, Mr. Jin, we go back about a decade at this point. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll, 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 we'll touch we'll on it. We'll get that, there. I'm we'll sure. get there. That's an act two. You're <laughs> we're in the we're in the prologue right we, now. We on some Shakespeare type. Yeah, flow right that's now? an act two. I heard. I, I heard. organize the the interviews that I organize for. That is, I organize them in acts. That's how that's how okay. we do it. But. Um, in this prologue, I just wanted to touch on a little bit of uh, 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 recent events, uh, recent things that are going on in, uh, in just the world around you. Absolutely. Uh, so what's up, bro? You, you seen the stuff going on in the news these days? Oh, man. That's, like, <laughs> That's the most general-ass question to ever ask I was about anybody. Say, you, you hit me with the, like, yo, crazy, the weather, right? <laughs> the like, weather, right, man? Have you seen the aliens in the news is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was like, yo, I was, I, I was like, how long can we go before he brings up the aliens? You're starting off with the aliens. Yo, because we're, we're focusing on you today. I might as well tell you that today, today is uh, when people are saying the government, the Pentagon is going to drop their bombshell their UFO report. Ooh. The U, uh, un- unidentified aerial phenomenon UAPs. task force. UFOs? We left that in 2020. It's yeah. UAPs now. The UAP task force is dropping their report on uh, the their sightings and shit that they've investigated for the past like 10-15 years. Today or next Friday? Whoa. Yeah, man. Damn, I think that's a little more important than New Music Friday, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you about to get a little bit, you, get a bit, you about to get a little extra in your release radar this week. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can I couldn't have said that better myself because it's like people are dead ass still fighting wars in the Middle East. Meanwhile, there are like vehicles flying around like military bases and around our fucking and like shit, underwater like, at like supersonic speeds that run in circles around military jets and fighter jets and shit. And we're just like, well, you know, the oil in the Middle East. <laughs> that, that's clearly more important, right? I mean, I guess so. But how have you been keeping yourself numb to like the crazy things that have been going on in the news or how have you been how have you been interacting with the way that like for example New York has been uh lately it's yeah let's start on the the grander scale let's zoom out yeah. it's crazy because like at this point especially with 2020 and all the terrible and you know some good but mostly terrible news that we were seeing all last year I think all of us, especially in the age of social media, you know, we're just constantly consuming information left and right. Scro- you know, it feels like you can't scroll down your feet anymore with hearing of another tragedy happening somewhere around the world. And it is a shame because it's like, you know, we're I feel like we're all getting numb to it in a sense where. On a sometimes it feels like, you know, there's just too much going on mm. that 
we can't even help it. It's like, you know, like there's, there's only so many things we can all donate to, you know, within our means. And, but, but then we feel the guilt of like, you know, am I doing enough? Like what, what can someone like me do? But you know, maybe at my life doesn't have the time or the money to allow for me to mm. help out these causes in ways I want to. But then again, how privileged am I to, you know, even be able to say that, you know, I'm not the one directly impacted by, you know, so many yeah. of the atrocities happening right now. So I feel like we're all sort of learning how to navigate this age of overloading information into ourselves and trying to trying to lead peaceful lives and, you know, do what we got to do while at the same time learning to be better. And I think this is a this is a term that has been floating around in my head. Maybe it'll end up being used in music, you know, music I make someday. Who knows if it does? You heard it here first. But like we're learning how to be better global citizens. And I think in this day and age, you know, we're the first generation that really, you know, we have this. We have social media. We mm. we saw it happen. We saw how it made yeah. how it made us globally connected and allowed information to spread faster what's the, than ever before. What's the stages of game development or software testing? Is it beta, alpha, and then like the things out, or is it? I guess because <laughs> I was gonna say we're not like the beta testers right. in social media because like the people who who did MySpace right before us because right. there was like a slight like a, a portion of a generation that did myspace before us right but then like we were like the alpha testers we're, like we're, right we're the, we're the facebook out. generation yeah, yeah yeah myspace was just like i mean some kids our age had myspace but i wasn't cool enough mm. sorry guys i wasn't cool enough but i got on there so i mean maybe it's not a cool <laughs> thing maybe it's just a a a, a uh, people got catfished a really? lot because I thought MySpace kids were so cool back in the day. They were listening to like All Time Low and yeah. Sugar Cult and you bro, know, MySpace kids were coding, kids. bro. MySpace kids were coding. Oh, because there was a lot of customization. You could yeah, do, right, well, there profiles. was no like there was no interface for customizing your profiles. Mm-hmm. It was straight just like kids were learning how to like edit the source code, the HTML code on the fucking page Yo. and then just like add players, like kids, change their design. Kids were learning HTML for sure. I remember that. Bro, shit was wild. But, but before we get too deep into the rabbit hole, Mr. Naveed. Mr. Jan. Mr. Naveed. Mr. Jan. It has been a while. You know, I've always seen you as a solo artist in my head. Kind of. Wow. That a is bit. a lot for you to say. And I'm yeah. curious as to what you mean by that because you've literally seen me, you know, Taken mm-hmm. loving memory from a solo project when I was like sixteen or seventeen, mm-hmm. around the time we met, to being in a band with of four people, then three people, then two people over mm-hmm. the course of six or seven years, and almost like in a full circle way, here I am before you today. Yeah, I like that Jan the Second reference right there, full circle. Yeah, yeah, you got stream and, full circle by Jan the Second on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I like. I mean, that's a return to form to to pick up on something that you said is you returning to the solo act. That's a return to form right there. I've always seen you as a solo act because you are a man of uh, and like a bunch of us in our friend circle. If I could if I could talk to people who are listening to this or watching this right now, a bunch of people in our friend circle are um, are visionary, like are people with visions, right? Like you're very much so like a visionary. And that's not to say that like the people that you worked with weren't visionaries in their own right. But like. I always saw the people that you were in bands with as like along for your ride <laughs> in a way. And that's to say, like, that's not to say that people like Tom, for example, and in loving memory, shout out Tom, shout Marty, out Tom who go, who goes by twilight audio for all your audio production needs. Hell yeah. Like Tom is a man of vision too. Right. But like you said, you started in loving memory a long time ago Absolutely. when you were by yourself. Right. And I kind of always like, I always saw that as being like, 
oh, that's Naveed, like, right? Like, I see that as Naveed. Um, but before we get back into In Loving Memory, because I do want to spend, like, a good amount of time focusing on In Loving Memory, uh, maybe not, like, under a microscope, but so right. that people who don't know you understand. Absolutely, because, you know... In Loving Memory was a huge chapter of my life. Yeah, this is like the the, the table of contents part of the interview right now. <laughs> we're like, we're glancing over all the stuff that we're going to expand upon and unpack later. But I like that. first thing I want to ask you is, how was your early life, Mr. Naveed? Let's oh, talk about your let's, early life. Let's go. No, I like this. Let's, let's talk about your early you know, life. You know, let's call this what it is. This is the first, you know, proper like video slash podcast interview I'm doing as Naveed Ahmed. So you know what? It makes sense to take it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Jan, I will tell you, I am Naveed Ahmed. I was born in Elmhurst Hospital, which is like 14 blocks or so mm-hmm. away from where we currently are. So yes. We are 14 blocks away from where you were born. Yes, sir. I'm the ago. proud son of two hardworking Bangladeshi immigrants who came here in the like mid late 80s or so. They had my older sister, shout out Maureen. She's doing amazing things in life. Had her. They lived in Astoria for a little bit. And then by the time I was born, lived in Woodside right here, a couple blocks away from where we are speaking at this moment. So, you know, born and raised in Woodside. You know, this this area will always have such a special place in my heart. So, like, you know, went to school, PS11, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I look I, I look back at now with the with the what I like to call a global global perspective on life. You know, I, I realized what a special upbringing I had that we had as kids who got to grow up in the best place on Earth, Earth, a.k.a. Queens, New York is like, mm. you know, we grew up having friends of all walks of life you know we grew up setting into homes of different cultures and i feel like that is just crucial for informing how we carry ourselves and mm. any kind of social situation and yeah. you know i i feel like that is what helps me you know embody the values that new york city instilled in me that queen specifically instilled in me mm. so you know early life was chill you know what 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 responsibilities do do south asian immigrant kids really have other than like yo like your parents came here you know working class you know they came here sacrificed a lot for you just to have access to the privilege and i use that word you know intently the privilege of having a roof over your head the privilege of having access to good education you know the things that our parents definitely would consider privileges mm. so it's like yeah dude I, all i had to do was be a good kid do well in school you know what i'm saying like play what? video games in my downtime i was just a you know, normal. I play video games in my downtime kid. right now, son. Oh no, I've been I've been doing that more so nowadays. You know, when I find the time. But like, yeah, dude, I was just I was going to school, playing Pokemon, playing Smash Brothers, playing. I'm tr- I'm literally rattling off the list of like one of my favorite video games because that was let's be real, that was my main mm. activity as a kid. Smash Brothers is your thing, bro. Like, so I- oh, that to this day, you 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 already know. Come see me and uh, come see me in Ultimate. I've been playing Smash since the beginning. Crash Bandicoot, Spyro. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, all these I've things seen in my you life. beat a room full of people at Adam Elkley's house. Shout out Adam Elkley. Shout out Adam. Uh oh. Uh, am I supposed to be saying people's full names on here? Uh, I mean, fine. It's fine. He, yeah. You can find it online. His, his public profile is like literally like that. But um, shout out Adam. I've seen you beat a room full of people on Smash. Uh, at 
Adam's place for Adam's birthday. Oh, man. Oh, I remember that when we were there yeah, like I years see, ago. I literally remember a room full of people being like, yo, I want to take turns. Oh, uh, it's an, I, now I know. All the, all the boys, and the I Garrison was, Beach homies. Yeah, and I was like, yo, everybody wants to challenge in the Veed. How, like, how do I, I – what if – he's not going to win against everybody, and then you like smoked everybody. On some, on some round robin type, yep. type flow. I mean, hey, man, you know, you, you know the vibes. <laughs> you know the vibes. I, listen, the thing about me is like – I'm. Oh, I'm gonna check the camera to make sure we're still recording. Yes. Is it? We're good. Looks like it is. We're good. All right. So in a second, I might have to go over to to make sure that uh, video keeps going. But what? Why? How did you get so good at Smash? Is it? <laughs> I like. I remember that I didn't intend to ask this question, but how did you get so good at Smash? Well, I'll. It, it's hard for me to answer this question now because you know I. By now, like specifically in regards to Smash Ultimate, like I've gone to tournaments, mm. like I've gone, like I follow the, like I'll put it this way, dude. Like when I'm eating meals at home, I am usually watching pro players, you know, competitive matches that have happened. Oh. But that said, I am nowhere near as good at Smash as like, you know, a lot of people that I've come to know. But obviously, you know, growing up, like we were just kids playing. Nobody really knew like how to play these games. You know, I played, let's see, like I, I never got, to, like, I'll put it this way. I was good at melee, but like, I wasn't out here, you know, wave dashing, L canceling, like doing all the like, you know, frame perfect, like technical stuff that you really do need to know and master in order to play these games at a high level. Super Smash Brothers Brawl was, you know, is widely rev- looked at as like the, you know, the wackiest game as far as like competitive play because it it was like the least technical or, you know, the slowest pace. But even so, like that was such a fun game. I don't know, man. I, 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 I just put in the hours. What can I say? Yeah. You know, the 10,000 hours rule, you put in 10,000 hours to something, you become a master at it. I guess I was, I was just putting in those hours, man. Bro, so 20,000 hours, I guess, because you're fucking <laughs> nice at music, nice at smash. Hey. What, 30,000 hours? <laughs> I don't know. I, nice at engineering. Shit. Shit, yo. So let me, let me ask you this, that, an actual question that I have prepared. What was your earliest memory that you could remember? Wow. My earliest memory? Just period like it doesn't have to like just whatever you could remember right now i won't be mad at you if you remember something different the other like the next yeah. day when i ask you you know what uh, it is a video game memory i guess this goes to show like I, my ten thousand hours they started young mm. my like i remember being like three or four years old like playing super nintendo and watching like my older sister she like we you know all those super mario games that were on super nintendo my favorite was super mario world the one the i think i believe it was the first mario game where like yoshi was a thing and you could ride yoshi around oh um yeah. i could be wrong on that but it, it, it at least it was the first one that i knew Yo, super um nintendo. yeah dude that was my that was my childhood man do you remember would, how old you were yeah, like about three or four. I mean, I know we had we had it when I was like growing up. Like, it's funny. My mom tells me like, yo, your dad would like come home from work and he, and he would like be like, yo, nah, y'all got to stop playing. It's my turn. I got to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Word. <laughs> like, in a, he's like, he would get mad when, when they didn't let him play. Like, basically my whole family, we like, we was on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Shit. It, 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 you know, when he put it that way, it's just like, yeah, that's just cute, innocent times. And I would, you know, I was a baby. So I'm growing up watching my sister, you know. Uh, she knew all the secrets to like, you know, the secret exits for levels that get you, you know, mm. further on ahead. And then when I was old enough to like hold a controller, I knew like, oh, you're not supposed to go through this door. You're supposed to you're supposed to, you know, all the mm. secret hidden stuff. 
You already had the you already had the roadmap in your exactly. Head. I I I had game facts before <laughs> before. Oh, shout out game facts! Yo, I took you back. Don't play. Don't oh, play with me. I just shit. took you back. I just took you Woo. back, bro. Shout out game game facts. Shout out game um spot. Game was spot, it game, game spot, spot too? Shout out uh uh cheatcodes.com. Shout out IGN. Oh my god, oh everything. Oh my god, G four the channel. Yo, everything. shout out, bro. What was your okay? So let's switch gears a little bit. What was your first memory of music? Oh, like in your is, life, Spice Girls. Sp- oh, Spice shit. Girls. Sh- one of the one of the beautiful things about having an older sister, she's about you know six seven years older than me, is like you know I'm I'm born in '95, so like you know by the time you know I, it's it's tough. Some people wouldn't consider us '90s kids. Mm. We were '90s babies, but '90s kids implies that like we were like you know growing up and like you know absorbing the interests that uh, that absorbing the culture at that time we were more like 2000s kids because by the time we were old enough to like you know be like oh i like this music i like this we were hybrids though i think we were definitely hybrids because like the mm -hmm. the early 2000s was like a like a a genesis a new genesis of 90s culture it was just like an extension almost but the the good thing about having an older sister was that like as early as as you know, I could tell I was listening to NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Selena, Spice Girls. Apparently, like, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember this, like, directly, but my, my, my folks tell me, like, oh, nah, like, we could not put on the Spice Girls without you, like, going ham in the car, like, Without singing. you going ham? Like, you were, you were that into it that you were Appa- like, yeah, let's go. Apparently, apparently. Damn. It's funny because, like... Apparently that's how I always was when it came to music. Like I would, I would jam out to whatever I could like recognize, like on the radio and stuff. But it's interesting that like right around the age when I started school, like, you know, sixth grade, uh, it's not six years old in the first grade, I became like hella like shy and reserved probably because I went to private school for my, for first and second grade. But as a toddler, I was like the most hyper, like, you know, I was like a hyper ass kid. So I like I had no inhibition with like, you know, just singing, you know, making a fool of of myself or whatever. But I don't know why. But like somehow around the age of like six or seven, I started becoming more uh, quiet and reserved and ended up not really like finding music again. Like in the sense that like it's interesting because I recall like in elementary school, like kids would keep up with music more than I would. And I remember feeling left out of those conversations like. Kids would be talking about like, I don't know, I'm about to take you back. Like the new like gym class hero song or whatever, you know, I just took you back. Um, and, I, and I would be like, oh, like, I, you know, maybe maybe I heard the song before, but I didn't know the artist by name or, you know, things like that. Mm. I didn't really start finding music. And this is where I would consider like my true like this is when I started getting into music. I'm gonna take y'all back to 2006, 2007, when the song "Hey There, Delilah" was oh, making its rounds. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. that's my that that is my favorite song of all time. The Plain White Tees are my favorite band to this day. Like, I was around 12 years old towards the end of sixth grade. My my mom, who my mom is a huge fan of music, like in general, like at at our crib and what you know, she you know, there's pictures of the Beatles, you know, my mom loves like Michael Jackson, you know, the Eagles, you know, mm. a lot of, the, a lot of the greats, a lot of the classics. Um, she, she, she came to me one day. She's like, basically effectively saying like, yo, homeboy, like all you do is like play video games. Why don't you do something like cool, like play guitar or something? Like my mom was actually the one who, you know, suggested it. Mm. So she 
And shout out to my dad because he would take me to the YMCA by Queensboro Plaza every weekend mm. and I would take guitar lessons there. I think there was there was a point where I was doing like swimming and guitar lessons like at the same time, like on those Saturday mornings. I look back at that point in my life fondly also because whenever my dad would pick me up from those lessons, that was when Pizza Hut had the cheesy bites pizza. Like the the the, the like crust was all the little square bites yeah, with the cheese in it. Oh. That was Guys, when I tell you that Ooh. was crack, bro, we would get that every week because it was just crack. Man, it it must have been crack because it really ruined the community, bro. It, Everybody was just, had to go up three sizes, bro. Yo, for real. <laughs> that, for shit is, real. that shit is awful. Bro. Oh, I mean, I, like, good. When, when they discontinued it, that broke my heart. But yeah. anyway, yeah, no, like. That, so I'm I'm playing, you know, I remember, you know, getting into guitar through those lessons, you know, learn my basic chords and stuff like that. I'm like, where? This is chill. This is cool. But it wasn't until that song, Hey There, Delilah started making its rounds and I started hearing it everywhere. And then I, you know, looked up the band and stuff. I'm like, hold up. So one guy and his guitar can make something like this beautiful. That's what made me realize, like, OK, nah, like this is something I want to. I want to, you know, get into this. Mm. And then through the Plain White Tees, I found similar like bands like Boys Like Girls, mm. All Time Low, Mayday Parade. So I kind that was kind of like my entry point into music is kind of like those emo pop rock, pop punk alternative, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like yeah. th- that wave of bands in like the mid 2000s. Yeah, we're going to start a super group, me and you. Uh, with members of our former bands and we're going to call it uh, Plain White G's. Plain Yo, that's hard. That plain white G's, Yo, bro. plain white G's is hard. I'm sorry. That's plain hard. That's hard. That's hard, Hold bro. We're, we're just going to bro out for like half of this interview. I hope everybody's okay with that. Yo, no, this is ex- this is, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is the most authentic Naveed you're going to get, so. Yeah, yo, bro, that's what I'm saying. I like, love. Like, this is just us. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed your interviews that you've done with other people, but I think I'd do a better. <laughs> I, do a I mean, better job. I'll put it this way. I mean, naturally, because we're, you know, you're just, you're one of my closest friends. How could we not? How could we not, bro? So tell me a little bit about, um, I want to ask you about your friends in different uh, stations and periods of your life. Ooh. Um, what kind of friends and, and people were you hanging out with in elementary school when you weren't keeping up with music like that? Like, what were your friends like? And are any of them the same as they are today? It's funny because over the last year or so, like ever since the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I found myself reconnecting with a lot of like childhood friends who I may like have elementary lost. heads, some a couple elementary heads, mostly like middle school heads. Mm-hmm. A lot of because it's it's wild to reconnect with these people and be like, yo, like we're still on the block after all these years. Let's let's catch up. You know what I'm saying? And with a lot of these people, I've noticed it's like and this these are my favorite types of friendships where it's like no matter how long you've you know been apart from one another it's like you really can just see them again years later and it's almost like they never left or like you know what i'm saying like you just pick up where you left off yeah that's fucking awesome because the the real and i guess i should contextualize this because this particularly happens more in new york city where it's like Oftentimes, kids do not go in this to the same elementary school, middle school, and high school. In like smaller populated towns, I know that's more common, which that blows my mind. Like that's kind of fascinating to me that like there, it's it's a little more common in a lot of places. Like you kind of grow up with the same kids throughout K through twelve. Yeah. For us, it's definitely more like okay, we're friends with these kids in elementary school, and then you know if we go to different middle schools, you know we oftentimes we get separated or different high schools or whatever. Yeah, I think that that's. I think that that's a good thing Mm -hmm. because of, like you said, it gives you more of like a global citizen mindset. Absolutely. But like, in addition to that, like 
a lot, a great deal of people who chase their dreams, and this is not to discourage anybody, right? Like everybody should chase their dreams. Everybody deserves to chase their dreams. Absolutely. But like a great deal of people who chase their dreams don't actually end up getting there. Mm-hmm. And so like, I you feel don't like know, you, you stayed, don't know if you don't try. Yeah. You don't know if you don't try, but it, like if you stayed in the same population of people, you'll see that percent very starkly. It'll be like, I see you know what I mean? Like if you, if you grow up around the same people your whole life, you'll see like what percent of them fail. You know right. what I mean? Like provided you aren't in that percent. But like, I think that going to different schools throughout the different sta- stations in your life gives you more experience, gives you more exposure to people who are like, if they're not in a better situation than you, a worse situation than you, or the same situation as you, or a similar situation to you. So, like, it gives you that better perspective. It gives you that better, like, oh, I mean, you know, like, life can be better, or I'm glad my life isn't worse type Absolutely. situation. And going back to what we were, that piggybacks perfectly off what I said earlier about just how blessed I consider myself to have grown up in New York City and mm-hmm. to be in a environment where that that type of abundance the abundance of culture the abundance of perspective the abundance of just people in general you know that was something i always had and i think i came to really realize that i can speak mostly on like my high school experience so shout out stuyvesant high school for, for for the kids who are not native to new york and uh new york city and want to understand like why that school is so significant and i'm a flex because at least in my day, we were the number one public high school in New York City. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on with style. Right now. Ever since you left, it's been a mess. Bro. I, we it's don't need to mess. talk about that. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that school. I'm capping I mean, hard no lie, right my now. my year we were pretty messy ourselves. But basically, New York City had at, at once upon a time it was three uh, high schools that were known as specialized high school. Now there's about like seven or eight. Basically, in eighth grade. About anywhere from ten to twenty thousand kids take this test in about October, like towards the beginning of eighth grade. And this test is kind of brolic, no lie. Like if you took like the SAT, which most people take, you know, towards the end of high school, you threw that test at eighth graders. That's basically what this was, and you know that's a significant difference when you're you're talking about three years of you know developmental years. You throw this test at them, and the top, like you know, I mean, a th- like nine hundred kids or so get into Stuyvesant, which was the number one ranked school at the time. Then there's Bronx Science, Brooklyn Tech, et cetera, et cetera. So Stuyvesant is, you know, located downtown Manhattan. So kids from all five boroughs are attending this school. So, you know, that so for uh, until that point in my life, my my bubble, my world was, you know, Queens, not even all of Queens, because Queens itself is so huge and so vast, mostly, you know, Woodside, Sunnyside, Astoria, you know, this Western Queens that I consider my home. So now my world zoomed out and I got to, you know, that's where I started hanging out with more kids from Manhattan, from Brooklyn, from the Bronx, not Staten Island though. (laughs) I'm sorry. We don't claim Staten Island. I'm sorry. You got that. I don't know know why Jersey hasn't claimed y'all yet. Yeah. Did you have any interborough relationships? Well, first of all, I had no relationships because I was awkward as hell in high school. I didn't know how to talk to girls. What you talking about? I, I did start my, my first band. In oh, high school with shit. with the boys from Brooklyn who oh, you came to know. Shit. So, oh man, am I, am I about a name drop our whack ass name that we I had? absolutely want you to, but before oh, we got man. before we start mm-hmm. the, your first saga in music, um because we're about to hit act 2 right now with you answering Word. this question. I could tell your your question is going to lead us segue us into act 2. Oh boy. Um what was your relationship with your parents like prior to you starting your journey on music? 
Hmm. Well, I, I would say my my journey with music started around the age of twelve, as I as I was saying. Yeah. I mean, at my my relationship with my parents. Well, first of all, I'll say it's always been great. Like in yeah. the macro, it's always been great, which yeah. I'm very blessed for. Obviously, you know, any relationship has its ups and downs. Yeah. But I mean, it's hard to say just because like. As when you're that young, you know, before the age of twelve, it's like literally I you had depend no, on them. Yeah, that's that like and all also, you know that and also like I didn't really have to do anything to keep them happy other than just you know stay out of trouble, get good grades. Like mm. that's really the only responsibility I had, and yeah. I was doing that. So like for the most part, so everything was fine. Everything was on good terms. You you don't remember like arguing with them as much or whatever because like I mean just to draw a parallel in my life, like mm-hmm. I feel like I began to butt heads and my relationship deteriorated with my parents much more after they saw how serious I was with music. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, it, because my relation, because my music journey started at a young age, it's, it's more just like, obviously it's going to get rougher after that because at that point I'm a teenager, you know, yeah. that's that. I feel like that's just when life becomes rougher. So inherently, your relationships will as well. I guess oh, that's yeah. I guess that's why I'm like, hmm, how do I answer this question? I appreciate your half glass full perspective on the question because it, it is something that that brings me great stress and great negativity sometimes. But so let's go let's go into that then. Please sure. name drop your very first oh, band that man. you were in. So I was about fifteen or so. I think I was turning sixteen. Started started my first post hardcore band. By this point, you know, I'm I'm seen trash. Like, yeah, okay, let's before I drop the band, like let's y'all need to understand, like, I was the one brown kid pulling oh up to Stives in high school with like Hot Topic skinny jeans, Vans. You know, this back when Hot Topic had like the band t-shirts that were just like neon colors and just like random monsters. Like that was me, dude. I was pulling up with Attack Attack shirts, asking Alexandria all this stuff. I I, I was borrowing my mom's straightener to try and get, you know, the 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 swoop like all these white boys had. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, my oh, mom yeah. thought I was gay. Like, it was hilarious. Wow. Yo, every girl. Cause it, yeah. cause it, like, I'm not even dissing my mom or, like, saying she was being problematic. It's just, it's it's hilarious because it's, like, again, old school brown immigrant parents, you know, they're seeing, you're, you're seeing your son at 14, 15 years old, you know, wear tight jeans. You know, this was before skinny jeans were, you know as normal as they are yeah every girl in my high school thought i was gay because i straightened my hair that's what i'm saying like <laughs> imagine you know your son asks you hey ma can i borrow your hair straightener like what what are you supposed to think i mean so yo, like it's it's just hilarious and you know i i didn't have girlfriends at the time and you know or anything like that so it's like for all she knew i could have been but it's just it's just hilarious to i i think it's hilarious how camera oh i'm gonna go take grab a, that camera yes let's take a quick Five seconds to turn on the camera because we're not just trying to have y'all listen to it. We're trying to have y'all watch this beautiful interview. And that's where we're at. They're watching it. Yeah. So what was I saying? Yeah. I just think it's hilarious. Just the disconnect between like brown first gen kid growing up in America who wants to, you know, who's who's finding his footing in what he likes, you know, his interests in Western culture and then just being in the same household as like, you know, adults from Bangladesh who don't know any of this stuff going yeah. on. It's 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 on like 
yo, I, I, all I'm saying is like, there needs to be more shows and movies and sitcoms about this because I find that way more compelling than stories of all these white folks who it's like, yo, like, okay, you know what? <laughs> let's, let's talk some shit because it's like, I don't, I, I don't appreciate when all these white kids, especially cause it's a trope in like, you know, that type of music, like the emo, like pop punk music where it's like, you know, my parent, mom and dad, they don't understand me. I hate the town I grew up yeah, in. Cause our parents really don't understand. Us. I'll, I'll be like, bro, I have a language barrier with my parents. <laughs> Fuck you mean your parents don't understand. My parents literally don't understand me sometimes. Yeah. What, what do you, you like, what? Yeah. It- your parents went to the same high school as you. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. you're, they they understand you more than any adult their age possibly could understand you. Yep, yep. But you know that's that's on white privilege. You know what I'm saying? that's on some white privilege. I mean I, that shit makes me salty all the time, bro. Oh, dude. Oh, can we? I know see? people. I know people who don't believe in white privilege, but we're not even going to talk Let's about not. that. We're not even but I'm up. also glad to know, like you know, from having conversations with people of color, like oh, I'm not the only one who's just like perpetually just angry like mm. dude it's it's honestly very bad and this got really bad like a year ago mm. i mean it's been bad for years but particularly a year ago because you know when all the dialogue around george floyd was happening in the protests oh yeah um it's just like it's it's i've already accepted that i'm definitely going to need therapy at some point in my life i don't think i need it yet but i know at some point everybody needs it bro I'll, I, i'm gonna oh, just no, come out sure. the gate swinging just oh, like anybody can benefit from therapy at any point in their lives even if they're not i think i i think i'll know when it gets to a point where i'm like nah navi you now is the time ideally you want to do it before that time well, that's, <laughs> ideally you want to be hitting that's that, also like, fair i say that because now it's a lot better than it's been in the past mm-hmm. but basically like I could be, you know, reading a book or doing whatever. And then next thing you know, I'll just randomly remember like, you know, instances I've witnessed about, you know, white privilege and things like that. And I'll just get angry. And then next thing you know, I zone out for 30 minutes in anger and being like, yo, wait, what? Nothing even happened. And I just wasted my time. And, you know, it gets to a point where it has literally slowed down my life and like, you know, Mm -hmm. just causes me anger and stress when when nothing direct has even happened. But like, you know, that's what people of color like experience, especially in times like this where, when, you know, we're trying to talk about these issues and bring them, bring justice to where it needs to be had. No, like, and I agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, bro. So let me, let me ask you this next question, which is kind of related to that. Um, what, what was the youngest age that you remember being the way that you are now, like mindset that you are now fully aware of like shit, like racism and like white privilege or whatever, Mm. like being like the version, you know how some people are like, yeah, like age 12, like I'm pretty much the same person from then. You know what I mean? Like what was that age for you? As far as like being aware, well, I guess one of the, another one of the beautiful things about growing up in New York city is like, we were very much aware of racism from a young age, not in the sense that like, Like, obviously, I'm sure we all had kids growing up who, you know, would actually, you know, say racist things Mm -hmm. to other kids and, like, genuinely mean it. But it's very interesting that, like, and feel free to confirm if this was the case for you as well. But it's like, we would, we, because I had such a diverse friend group all, you know, all the time, like, just always around other kids, we would make racist jokes to each other endearingly. Like, almost as a way to, like, bond. And I feel like that's something particular that non-white kids, you know, people of color, like, we, that's sort of our way to reclaim actual racist slurs or jokes that would be used against us and, you know, 
we can make jokes out of it with our friends knowing that we don't actually mean harm by it. Yeah, that like there was a definitely a period of time growing up where we were all kids, like definitely as minors where we were all saying the N-word. Absolutely. We Which is definitely making, not correct. And, you know, yeah. now we've grown up, we learn better. It's straight like, you know, and, and it's hard, especially with New York City, because it's almost like even though, yeah, obviously it's a black word, like that's a word that black people should give. They, like they have their own idea of they can use it if they want to use it they cannot use it like absolutely they police that word like but like in new york city the n-word is almost so like a normalized. part of vernacular you know what i and mean like it's like when you're in the when you're in the hood when you're in the streets it's like almost like a part of the language of the streets now. absolutely like, you know and what it's, I mean? it's tough because the th- the thing about you know kids like you and i like yes we are people of color we are minorities but at the end of the day we are not black we yep. Didn't, yep our struggle is not theirs but I think the reason why a lot of non-black minorities kind of naturally end up tr- trying to, you know, adopt, emula- and, adopt yeah. appropriate, you know, emulate whatever words you want to use, and they're all correct, is because, you know, our stories directly are often underrepresented yeah. and not being told. So I-, I-, I can speak more on, like, South Asians, especially in New York City, because I'll put it this way, like, a lot of brown kids in high school, I say high school because this was around the time when I was, you know, getting into bands, you know, getting into mm. quote unquote white people music. Kids would clown on me all the time. They'd be like, yo, Naveed, why are you making this white boy music? Why are you, you know, I, I was considered whitewashed to them, which is so funny to me because yeah. I'm just like, wow. I People used to think, people used to, people would look at me and say I'm white. But, it, but that's the thing about growing, you know, being brown in America. And this is some bars. Being brown in America is being constantly pulled and pushed between whiteness and blackness. Because in America, those are the two major cultural forces. Mm -hmm. Like, in, I'll put it this way. If I'm in the hood, I feel like the whitest kid there. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, that's, you know, I didn't grow up on those streets. Yeah. But when you put me in the suburbs, I feel like... The brownest kid there. I feel like I'm the most hood thing that has ever walked through these streets. Yeah. So it's and and with that comes a lot of code switching, a lot of you know we a lot of like constantly having to adjust to our environments, the way we carry ourselves, the way we, you know. Mm. And at this point, kids like you and I, we've been doing it for so long that you know it's second nature to us, and we don't even think about it because even in New York City, it's like we know like. Oh, if you step, if you cross that boulevard, you're in a different world. Yeah, conduct yourself accordingly. Yeah, or, or else you know, shit can pop off. Yeah, if you if you're walking around acting like a fed, everybody's gonna want uh, wants you out of the neighborhood. Exactly. For, to, to say it nicely, everybody's gonna want you out of the neighborhood, whether it's exactly. on a stretcher or not, is up to you. Exactly. Uh, so you already touched on, and this is why I said you segued into into uh, uh, part two of our act two of our thing a little early. Ooh, so you already we're talked in, we're about in act two now. Yeah, we've we've been in act two for a little bit. Heard you. Um, what was the first besides like the plain white tees and stuff like that? What were the first uh heavy bands that you listened to? Like Vince Oh, shit. I will tell you exactly how I discovered them. Go. Um, I, at this, at this point in time, I was probably, I feel like I was like eighth grade or so, you know, I was getting guitar center, you know, magazines, catalogs, whatever in the, in the mail every like month or however long. And I remember, you know, looking through them one day and I see a, in, in the back, there's a feature on Zacky Vengeance and Sinister Gates. And I'm just like, yo, who are these two dudes? Like they look so sick because, you know, Sin and Zacky were the original, like, no, I shouldn't say original. I guess that, I guess that shows like for, for our generation, like. We there there's such an iconic guitar duo, because especially because 
Zaki was left-handed, Sin was right-handed. It's like they had the that image, image, the swap. Like that, it was such a cool aesthetic. And I mean, hey, it grabbed my attention, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who the band was. I was just reading this interview, and then I was like, "This band looks cool. Mm-hmm. Let me look it up." And then I remember Afterlife, that song. I remember looking that up, and I was song. just like, "Yo, this is crazy." It's- and then that led me down the Avenged Sevenfold rabbit hole, and like they're they they were my first like metal band that I got into. So, what was the name of your first band again? Repeat that for oh, people. Oh yeah. Who don't so know. the band that I started when I was like fifteen or sixteen was called Yesterday Will Be Better. Yesterday will be better. Oh man. Oh shit. What kind of music did you guys make? By that point we were just doing like post hardcore metalcore stuff. So like by that point I was fully into like like I said, like Attack Attack, Asking Alexandria, mm-hmm. whom Tron think like we came as Romans, like all you know, I was warped tour trash by that point, you know what I'm saying? As we all are at as some we point all in were. our lives. As we all were. Um what was the next how did how did that band how did yesterday will be better? become not better anymore and um how did yesterday become bad (laughs) oh man you know what's funny is like the way from a from such a young age at 15 like in some ways i haven't changed like Mm. i was like i was the like the stereotype of like the overly controlling singer who wants everything their way because they have the visionary, the vision for everything. And they like, they demand the work ethic from everyone else, mm-hmm. you know, like those aspects never changed. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, like I wanted to start like a serious project, a serious band. And, you know, I'm still friends with all the dudes, you know, Adam was in that band. Shout out Adam. Shout out Adam. You know, that's how, that's how I got close to those guys. Mm-hmm. Like we, we started this band together. I, I remember like, Shout out my boy Jonathan Negron. We pulled up to his to his crib. We was in his basement, and I, I literally the day I met met him, we're just ripping like Avenged Sevenfold covers off the fly. Damn, I feel like I've heard Jonathan Negron's name more than I've actually seen him in person throughout Bro. my entire life. <laughs> but I mean, that's the way some people are. Some, some friends that you be know, like that. It's like, be like that. Yo, so what? So they were not serious, essentially, or they I mean, didn't we want were to kids, take it serious. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like we were kids we played a couple shows they were fun um it 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 also got to a point where like i was i think there was also like i was bringing songs to the table that may have not necessarily like maybe a little heavier than the stuff that some of them wanted to make so you know nothing Mm. nothing crazy like what happened like because again we're all still friends it wasn't a falling out it was just like a like not everybody wanted a serious music project they were just having fun with it exactly and, yeah. and that kind of led me to the decision of like okay well i have all these songs that i'm writing and you know at that point i'm fully writing you know the guitar parts bass parts drum parts you know i wasn't you know i'm just obviously i'm better at all those things than tux i was guitar then. tux guitar bro that was that was my life i have albums worth of like metalcore material that probably eh, maybe someday when I'm old and bored, I'll record all of it. I'll, I'll finesse you for some of them. I'll maybe throw you some, uh, some, some money for some of them, turn them into trap beats and make scary songs. Out of them, Yo. Okay. We will talk about that because we'll talk about that. After, no bro. lie. I we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, after. We'll, we'll make some heavy shit. No lie. Coming soon. No doubt. Um, what was the question? I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you answered the question. Um, already in sufficient detail please tell me about your next musical venture that happened after yesterday will be better so at after yesterday will be better there was a brief stint that i had i think at some point actually i might as well start with like in loving memory yeah so i like i said i had songs i was writing 
and you know ready to go so i started by this point i had a couple of friends of mine like locally who were producers and i started releasing you like vocal covers on youtube you know doing that whole grind of 15 a lot of those covers are taken down because y'all ain't gotta see that (laughs) ain't nothing to see there oh i thought they got dmca strike oh no not even i think back then they they weren't as heavy with the copywriting and all that stuff (sighs) maybe but uh, they're just not on, they're just not up because they were bad and Dang. cringy. Ain't nobody needs to see the young, you know, young Navi. I mean, you need a little cringe up. The, in the, the oldest cover of mine that I can that I remember, and I'm like, wait, this is actually like a good one. Sixteen year old Navid covered Scarlet by Periphery. So if you search Navid Stone Periphery Scarlet, you will find that video. Mm. And you know, periphery, like okay, yeah, by that point I was into more like progressive metal, like the like the crazy technical, like gent stuff. Which is yep, which is a good segue because I did start uh briefly I had a band called Intrinsic Blue. Let's go. Which was the drummer, my boy Shin from high school. He Shout out Shin. I know Shin too. You remember him, yeah. He he put me on with his boys who he knew, like he all all Brooklyn boys. And these were some hella talented guitarists and producers, and we just got together. We made some technical ass stuff because at, when when you're that young, it's hard to find musicians who are like that technically capable. But like these kids had it, and I and not to you know not to toot my own horn, but like I'm the only vocalist they they had access to that could sing and hit you know all the notes that needed to be hit, but also lay down them screams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. that was a fun run. I think that band kind of ended because oh because we were all going to college at that point so it was it was hard to we tried to keep it afloat for a little bit but it just you know but the transition period was a little weird a little and at that point i was already doing in loving memory solo and that was like my main priority right i feel that i feel that and that's why i was like oh i've always seen you as a solo artist shit (laughs) circle back around absolutely so yeah through in loving memory started as a full band towards the beginning of my sophomore year of college when you know again from from dropping a cu- some music solo and from doing youtube covers um tom john and Vito, the guys who i was in a band with in in loving memory they found me through youtube you know no mutual friends no nothing that's like, crazy to me you know that which is crazy because my channel wasn't huge you know i had like two thousand subscribers which is like cool but it's like obviously nothing big like in the grand scheme yeah so they found me they hit me up they're like yo like you we love your music we love your voice they came a couple of them came out to the first like in loving memory like i did a solo show where i had like my boys at adam played guitar for me farhan played bass for me mm. shout out farhan i think he goes by tanvir now hella talented producer Yo. um brandon roman played lead guitar bro remember him bro brandon roman was in this studio two weeks ago with me what and we were gonna call you but you were fucking away you were traveling oh or my something. god i miss him yeah we, he's gonna he might produce some jay in the second tracks i'm so happy to hear that he's still doing music i learned i've not bro, heard he, from him. he does some fire bro he oh. does his hip-hop beats are like on some shit oh man now, we gotta like, hit him up after this yeah we wow and shin was around. on drums you know what i'm saying like this yeah. is, you guys need to understand like this is all just kids on the block trying to trying to make it happen one yeah. way or another that's that's really the theme of this whole era of my life we're just kids on the block yeah. you know meeting each other through you know 
like networking, meeting, you know, like, oh, I know a dope drummer. I know a dope guitarist, blah, 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 yeah. blah. I know. And now we all know each other by proxy. Now it's exactly. just like, oh, I, I've never met this person, but like my best friend hangs out with them every other week. Well, Word, you bring know, them like, into the stew. Let's, you know, let's, th- this is the beauty of being in a, in a city like New York. It just really, you can't, there, there is an abundance of inspiration if mm. you're, if you just leave yourself open to it. Agreed. Yeah. Yo, so with that, let's touch on a little bit of our, our history together when we let's met and it. stuff. What do you remember of us meeting? Cause I'm right now I'm in this period of my life and I don't know if it's the, if it's the medical marijuana or if it's <laughs> the, um, or if it's just, uh, uh it's legal uh, now. I'm focused on the present or anything like that. But like I, I often forget where I came from in a lot of my relationships. You know, I'm just so thankful to have the people that I have in my life right now that I'm right. like, I don't care where we've been. I'm like, I'm very thankful for this, for what we have right now and for what we're building for the future, you know? So what do you remember of us meeting each other? I'm I'm pretty sure we were, and again, this is what I mean by like, we were kind of like the first like social media generation where it's like, mm. I'm pretty sure we were just Facebook friends for a while. Because mm. by the time, because... I mean, let's, you want to talk about my metalcore projects. Let's talk about you, Mr. Catch Me If You Can. I remember that was your band. Ooh. I remember. Yeah. I remember back when you, back when you was on your scene shit. Yeah, I, I was on that for way longer than I should have I think at that point we had not met in person, but like that is how I remember hearing of your name and like probably Facebook friends. I think we like met. Did we meet? right when i was gonna fill in on base for the last of us or no we 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 were already friends at that point i right. thought you we know must have been yeah because navid for those uh those of you who don't know navid filled in on uh base for one of my shows with my band the last of us shout out everybody in the last of us who some of which are in yak mob some of which are in louisiana or someplace downtown <laughs> or down in the south shout out johnny ruiz um, shout out but uh, Naveed filled in for us on bass one time. It was awesome. He made it into the it music was at video. What you guys now know as the venue called Kingsland, that, that spot used to be called The Place. And back when it had no stage, no nothing, it was just a like DIY hardcore they have a stage shows. Now? Mostly. Yeah. Do, oh, you haven't Fuck. been there in recent years? You yeah. Go. No, it's popping. Shout Damn. out Kevin Reynoso. He's always doing good work. He's done some of, you know, some of the better shows I played. He was going to book me for a show right before the pandemic, bro. Mm. Right before the pandemic. Facts. I mean, I know he's getting things started up again, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we might have to hit him up. We might have to do something with him if Ooh, it's, facts. if the shit's We working. outside? We outside? We outside. We outside. We'll, we'll talk about that when we talk, when we get to talking about the current and the future plans. The current and the future. All right. So this is the, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little clap here because this is where I want to, I want to censor some shit. So, uh. <laughs> oh, we, but I know <laughs> Speaking so of let's, friendship, let's say let's say that Jan and I. Oh, this is a good tag into the section. Okay, let's say Jan and I. We have shared more than music together. Yo, I hate I. That's not a good tagline. That's inappropriate. Yeah, no, that's that's messed up. Because we didn't share. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, uh, there was a point in time where I wasn't so good friends with Naveed. Um, we had a little bit of tension. Yeah, it, it was just a. It, honestly, bro, and like I look at this now, and like the reason I don't feel any type of bad way about it at all is I did a similar thing to one of my friends. I'm gonna fill you guys, and I promise. Um, it, there, I did is, similar, there is tea. There is tea to be had. Um, when I was in middle school, like mm-hmm. uh, like my best friend in middle school was like very into somebody like i don't even know that they really dated but like it didn't work out and then that same girl like i started seeing like right away yeah. like type shit and that ruined one of my best friendships in middle school mm. and i was like yeah i'm never gonna get karma for this and <laughs> 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 i was like 
like, I'm never going to get karma. Fast forward to like, uh, 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 like almost an entire decade later, um, I had a like semi serious girlfriend in, in college. Uh, should I say your name? Fuck it! <gasps> oh! I mean, we're gonna bleep it anyway. I mean, so. yeah, no, shout but, out. But shout out, shout out. That's the homegirl, shout yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, shout out. Um, she's cool. I like her a lot. Uh, I'm not gonna disrespect her by keeping her name in there, though, because, uh, Oh, you no, know. there's no need for that. Yeah, so, like, right. our relationship didn't really work out or whatever. Um, I think she might have met, she might have met you. The same night I saw you whoop everybody's ass and smash at I Adam's th- I house. I believe we met at that birthday party. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, like, when me and her didn't work out, Naveed started dating. <gasps> ah, I, no, I, we did I'm not gonna, date. We did not date. We didn't date, but y'all started seeing each other. we didn't. I, I, I was trying to, but homegirl wasn't, wasn't trying to, so what Damn. can I say? What can I say? Nav- I mean, no, we saw each other for, for, I mean, college. We were going to college in different places, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we didn't see each other too much. We, we were seeing each other. It didn't, yeah. nothing official happened, you know? Yeah, but so, but anyways, like, uh, b- but like, uh, uh, long story short, I got super salty. I got really salty, oh, and I remember- And I felt super conflicted, because I was like, wait, I feel like I'm not doing something wrong, but like, I guess I am, right? But like, I don't know what to do. Uh. Yeah, because uh, the thing, I don't remember how I found out, but I remember, did you tell me? I- I feel like I hope I did. I I hope I wasn't the type to like keep it behind your back. Yeah, no, I think I think you told me, and then I think that's why we're probably still friends. Yeah, but like mostly it was because I was like, "Yo, I this is definitely my karma," and like Mm. Naveed, like I value Naveed's friendship above all else, uh, like above like any type of like uh, you know like romantic relationship or whatever that I was having at the at the time. But I remember typing out a message to you and being like. Bro, I don't, like, remember this message that I sent to you? I was like, bro, like, to be honest, like, I don't know if I could, like, I, mm. I could talk to you for a while. Like, we're going to have to, like, not talk I think for I a remember while. that. And th- and that was basically me. Be- I remember, actually, I remember this now. Wow, this is all coming back. I was like, I was like, no, nah, that's fa-. Like, I'm thinking that's fair. I hope that in time that we can move past it. Yeah. And look where we and are now. We are. We chilling. We on the block. And you Damn. know what? Look where we are now. I'll, I'll, to zoom out on that, like, Fast forward now, you're with an amazing partner that you've been with for years and you're on track to happily get married. Mm. I'm still single as hell and can't meet a woman who texts me back. So karma got me. Bro, <laughs> karma my got son, me. My son, but here's the thing, right? With If you're the type who's looking for some type of mo- mono, I almost said monotheistic, but uh, mono, uh, what's the word? Monogamous? monogamous relationship. There we go. If you're somebody who's looking for a monogamous relationship, um, I'm just looking for a text back. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even thinking that far ahead at this point, dude. Bro, I've honestly, your dick has I, like, been in more. Like that's how single I am, bro. bro. Your dick has been in more places than a passport. Get the that fuck out of here, bro. Okay, get the fuck out of here. That 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 does not have anything to do with where I am currently at. I know, I know. But look, look. All I'm saying is. You are you are gifted, you are talented, you are an interesting man, and you know you what? Know. Like, bro, as soon as you want a serious relationship, it'll fall out of the sky before you uh before you can even ask for I it. I appreciate so, that, Jan, but yeah. like I know that. I don't know why women can't see that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm playing, I'm playing. Just nah, wait until they hear this next Navina Med song. Like literally the way as a as like the way I've always viewed love life, sex life, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. just focus on yourself, do what do what you need to be doing and who the right people will come along in your journey, you know, as it needs to. And, you know, literally my only, like for me, that's music. Your I answers to, are the 
Perfect segues, by the way. Um, I get, perhaps you just did a great job at, stru- at loosely structuring this interview. I mean, look. So, the, I mean, not to cut you off too much because yeah, you're you drop bars every time I ask you a serious question. But uh, so what? I guess you can say your first song came before your first kiss. Wow, is that true? Yeah. Same. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, okay, no, I need to, I need to under, I need to like, y'all need to understand how soft and emotional and what we on the streets call light skin I am. Yeah, because I still remember to this day the date that my middle school crush told me she liked me back. Whoa! April fourteenth, two thousand nine. Shout out! Whoa! Like that's how like cute I am about shit. Damn. We never kissed. We never did anything. For, n- nothing. Yeah. Because we were just awkward as hell. We didn't know. We, like, we knew we both liked each other. Uh, my Our whole relationship was on AIM, bro. Mm. We would be all like ILY on AIM. And then in person, Man. we would be like, hi. Like, we. Damn. Dude. The shy kids, bro. We, yo, like. Just forget spy kids. Shy kids, shy bro. Kids, we man. out here. Like, we was. I was really out here, man. I've written. You know, it's funny because over the years, people have asked me like, like, yo, you wrote like this song really like you must have been through some hella crazy like relationships. Like they'll ask me about like specific songs. I'll be like, oh, dude, I wrote that about someone I did not even date. Like, yeah, I've only had one girlfriend officially in my life and it, it only lasted like two months or so. Damn. I'm still cool with her. I'm I'm cool with a good amount of women that I've been involved with. What's the... um. I got to get into act three, but, uh, what's the, uh, before I get into act three, what's, what are your requirements or not? I'm going to restructure this, this question before it sounds wild fucked up. Um, what are your red flags, uh, Hmm. for somebody that like, say you start seeing a girl, you start dating a girl or whatever. Like what are the red flags that make you be like, yeah, I'm not trying to take this any more seriously than casual. That's a good question. Uh, definitely a big red flag is if I have to initiate everything whether Mm. it's conversation whether it's you know physical affection whether it's you know whatever it is if i if if i'll put it this way i especially you know and i think i've had this conversation with a lot of men especially and a lot of women as well where especially in this you know in recent times where you know more and more women are rightfully speaking out about you know you know assault or you know awful experiences they had with aggressive men i think it's making a lot of men realize you know basically be cautious as we all should you know we we're we're not out here trying to make anyone feel uncomfortable when when that is you know obviously not our intention for ourselves some people's intentions are to make people feel uncomfortable absolutely well (laughs) for 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 people who should be conducting themselves the way they should be is what i'm saying right so you know for example if i'm you know seeing someone new and we only talk if I'm texting her, I'm going to take that as a sign that she's not interested and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to distance myself. Mm. Why? And I say that because I've had plenty of homegirls tell me of their experiences of like, oh, this guy keeps texting me and like, I don't, I don't want to see him. But I'm, and I'm just like, did you tell him that though? Yeah. And she'll be like, no, I can't say. And rightfully, you know, I totally understand where women are coming from when they feel afraid let's call it what it is afraid to reject men because god knows how men can you know sometimes do the freak out though i mean hey women are out here you know sometimes they get killed over 
rejecting somebody. So like I totally understand the fear. However, you know, communication communication is important on both sides. Absolutely. And and even in a physical sense where it's like, you know, if I'm if I'm the only one initiating things like kissing or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to I'm going to take that as a sign of like she must not want me to and therefore I'm going to you know ease back. So basically, you know, if you want me, feel free to let it be known. It doesn't need like that's the main thing for you I, is communication. I hate the I hate this culture that that dating slash hookup culture has evolved into where it's like we we make it a war or a battle almost to show the person that we're interested in that we're not interested in them. You've been out the game for a while, so let me tell you let me tell you okay. how wild it is out here. Okay. Like it's so normal to be like, oh, like they just texted me back. I gotta wait before I text them be so they don't so they don't think that I'm too eager. Oh man, I I would never do it's that. Just, I would never just, survive in the dating pool right now. It's just childish. It's just absurd. But you know the thing is, it's like I'm so aware of all these, you know, all these what let's call it what it is. It's all bullshit. Yeah. But I still play the game because if I don't play the game, because sometimes I tell myself like, nah, I want to text her, so I'm gonna yeah. text her. But then she thinks that I'm more attached than I really am, bro. I quadruple text my best friends, like, and I don't even want to put my it. dick in them, like, you know what I mean, like. <laughs> so that's like that's the complete like. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. So yeah, that so to sum it all up, that's definitely one red flag. Is like you know you're not making you're not communicating properly. You're not making your intention like you're not you're 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 leaving it on me to initiate everything, mm. whether it's affection difficult conversation you know you can't leave that all on yeah. me i don't want to i don't want to psychoanalyze you but i feel like that's the red flag for you that's the most important one probably that, if, yeah. i mean if i brought it up first right yeah yeah probably shoot so i actually lied to you there were four acts uh wow. we just went through seamlessly Ooh, camera? through camera camera give me one second to fix the camera we're gonna fix the camera real quick taking a second to do that all right all right we are back we're back in it. So let's let's go let's go real quickly into our last act, our last little foray of Ooh, so line of questioning. Uh so dude, what are you listening to right now? Like what's on your playlist? What's Ooh, what's what? happening? Like what? I mean, I know you're a John a Bellion fanboy. Oh, John but, Bellion, that's my king. But what sure. what's on what's on Navid's playlist right now? Honestly, take out your phone right now. Literally. Pull up Spotify or Apple Music, whatever the fuck you use right now. No, I was uh, literally about to do that because I'm like, I don't even know what I'd be listening what to. What are you yeah, what are you listening to right oh, now? Oh, I mean, dude, I'm going to Rolling Loud next month. Not even yeah. Sheesh. In exactly a month, I'm gonna be at Rolling Loud Miami with, Jesus with my boys in Silver Fade Media. Shout out the boys. Shout out the boys. It's gonna be crazy. So I'm mostly just getting in the zone for that. I've been listening to Jack. Jack Harlow, who I'm hyped to see. What's popping? Lil TJ. I gotta see Nav because, like, dude. For the culture. It's for the, like, that is my rite of passage into being a brown fuckboy. Yeah. Like, I I can't, like, I can't call myself a brown fuckboy if I haven't seen Mm. Nav live, so... You know I gotta see him. I mean, he 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 don't really be playing live that much, does he? Like I don't know. I mean, know. he's I playing at him. the festival, so shit. So Jeez. here we are. I mean, there's gonna be. I mean, dude, like Meg The Stallion's gonna play. Yeah. It's Yo, gonna be crazy. Speaking of Meg The Stallion, not mm-hmm. to go on too crazy of a tangent, but I heard that um, there's a good chance that she fabricated that story that Tory Lanez About shot Tory Lanez? her. Tory Lanes. Yeah. So like. I have a Tory Lanez diss bar. Tory Lanez, if you ever hear this, I, I, I don't mean that I call you short in one of my songs that I don't have out yet. Please don't get offended. You're still you're still trying to get that Tory Lanez feature someday. No, please don't get offended. <laughs> you're not trying to close I definitely the door. call you short in one time. It's one time. Um, but apparently she 
Uh, like there's every single one of the witnesses that was there the night Tori shot Meg allegedly, mm-hmm. um, is telling a different story is like, nah, he didn't shoot her. Somebody else shot her. Mm-hmm. And then there were at the, like the actual court documents that have the investigative documents that have been released to the case say that at least two or three other people had gunshot residue on them Interesting. and not Tori Lane's. Interesting. So, I mean, the story was that like it was just the two of them in her car, right? So like, or something like that. Something like I that. mean, it was a limousine, maybe. I'm not or, too informed on the story. Yeah, so. I'll, I'll get I'll get better details hopefully for the next episode that I do if I talk about it again. But like, um, there was like everybody was talking. I was talking wild shit about Tory Lanez too. Like, oh, this yeah, little gremlin shooting women and shit. Like, of who course. don't want to be with him? But like, it seems like it was almost uh something. It seems like it was something set up to frame him for it. Right. Almost. I hope. I hope it's not a fabricated story in the sense of like that's just that's just gonna make it so much harder for real victims to speak up. Yeah, but I mean, hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and like, it, it, I I just thought I'd bring that up because I thought it was an interesting aside since you mentioned Meg the Stallion no, for was sure, gonna for be sure. there. Uh, you know, I'm mostly just getting in the zone for that little Uzi I've been bumping. Mm. I got to bump a new Polo G record. Mm. So. Would you ever join another band? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. All right, so uh. I guess we're not going to ask you no. to join Scary Kids then. Uh, not, not definitely not in like a serious capacity. But like, uh, like I'll put it this way: like uh, that isn't to say that I'm not down to collaborate. Obviously, like mm. if anything, the if anything, I feel uh, now that I'm a solo artist, I feel like my avenues to collaborate with people are opened up more because mm. now I can just be myself and explore a lot of the sides of my artistry with other people. Yeah, the only because you- I'll put it this way: like. In all the years that In Loving Memory was a band, like six, seven years, we never had a feature. Or never, you know, anything Never had like a that. feature? Never had a feature. Huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why am I only just now realizing that? Yeah. you what? Scary Kids was gonna be the first. Oh, shit. And as far as what, as far as what I speak of, who knows, maybe, maybe that track will... The track that I'm speaking of will find its way to your beautiful ears... At some point in time. The so I will, I, I will not speak on it further than that. Yes. But, um, All right, United States uh, military. All right, <laughs> Pentagon. I will speak no further on the matter. I, I, I plead the fifth. I plead the fucking fifth. All right, so last question for you um, before we get to the, the inevitable plug of whatever you want to plug, whatever you want to tell people to listen to, um, look at, look up, uh, follow. When is our podcast coming, bro? When are we doing a, like our like own our own type? Yeah, like uh, come on, everybody's oh, starting a podcast. Man. Or when is the Naveed pro- podcast coming out? You know what? Okay, you. I'm a foresh- No, I'm I'm gonna foreshadow something because I I did speak to you briefly mm-hmm. about this, and I think you know what? If anyone has listened this far in, because we're pretty much approaching the end here, you deserve to know. You some of you guys, if you follow me, especially on Instagram, you might have noticed that like, you know, when you watch the lyric video for Somehow I, there's a little intro that says Diamond Standard. And you've noticed in my bio there's a little page that I have. I'm not I'm not posting much on it, but it's it's called Diamond Standard. Mm-hmm. That is going to be I mean, basically like my hub brand that I want to slowly start building. I mean, right now, obviously, first things first, I gotta get music to y'all. Yeah, let's okay, I'm about to I'm about go to go. Go. So much is happening. First of all, stream Somehow I. That is the one song I have out at the moment. Uh, I'm working diligently, and I say diligently, on getting new music ready for y'all for later in the summer. I'm already working on the second release, already scheming up for the third, already thinking of the music video for the fourth. 
I already know I I'm writing, finishing up the lyrics for the fifth. Like I'm, I'm playing, I've already, I already know what a lot of 2022 is going to look like uh, to, to, to keep you guys, to give you guys some context. So if you're on my journey now, I can already say it's going to be a wild ride. So thank you for being on it so far. Um, what was I saying? I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> it was the plug section. You were just hitting the plugs already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that's the Diamond plug. Standard. Diamond Standard. That is the, that is what I wanted to say. Uh, Diamond Standard is going to eventually be the hub for, you know, merchandise, podcasting, you know, maybe I won't speak too much. I'll, I'll let, I'll let it, I'll let it evolve naturally as my journey progresses. I'll, I'll say it that way. But, but one you're going to say what you're about to say off camera as soon as we're done recording. Oh, absolutely. To me. I'll tell you. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. Um, but one thing I definitely want to do at some point, again, I'll, I'll, we'll see. First things first, I got to get the music off the ground is I want to start what, what will be called the diamond standard podcast. And that will be a podcast centering the experiences of first generation Americans, because mm-hmm. I am blessed to, especially growing up once again, Queens, New York, I have so many amazing, accomplished, talented friends in all sectors of life. Like I'm blessed to know people who are like, software engineers at Google and Microsoft and YouTube all the way to, you know, successful entrepreneurs and creators, you know, and everything in between, Mm. you know, like I, these are experiences that need to be told. And the way I look at all those people, what unifies a lot of us is, you know, just the simple fact of like, yo, we came from nothing. Our parents went through shit that we cannot imagine Mm. to get from their motherland to here just for the purpose of being able to start a family, you know, and breed a better life for them. And obviously inherently, you know, that, that let's call it what it is. That pressure is both our greatest fuel and, you know, can be the source of a lot of our anxieties, our stresses, you know, you know, it's our greatest strength and our greatest weakness at the same time. So I want to start the diamond standard, or I may run off the title of my preview of in loving memories, last EP, which heavily centered around this concept diamonds under pressure i might call it the diamonds under pressure podcast and you know like that concept is so important to me that it's on my freaking chest forever strive for excellence strive for excellence absolutely so as far as you know podcasting that that is definitely a podcast that i want to get off the ground at some point which Mm. i mean obviously when the time comes it's probably going to be filmed here it's probably going to be with your help and you're obviously going to be a guest on it so Shit, bro. Well, say no less. You throw me a tiny cut, we'll straight produce all the content for your Patreon out of this space. You know the vibes. Yo, so, guys, do me a favor. Listen to Navid Ahmed. Listen to Somehow I out on anywhere you could listen to music, any platform that you could listen to music. Yes, sir. Uh, follow him on Instagram, Navid Ahmed. And why? Follow me on TikTok. That is where I need to be popping. Navid Ahmed. And all my socials are Navid Ahmed NY. You go to NavidNY.com. All of my stuff is there. Why am I talk? Why am I plugging in flow? I don't even know. Hey, hey! All right. So with that being said, quick freestyle to the head, Mister Navid. Oh. You and me gotta go smoke sweet. It's legal here now. It's legal now. It's legal now. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching and stay angry or not. Peace. Appreciate y'all rocking with me. You know the vibes. Peace.